Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. Welcome to episode 33 of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. My guest this week is Dennis Attard, and he's going to be telling us all about die. That's D-A-I. But first, in some doggy news, quite some time ago, I made mention to a Belgian Malinois by the name of Kuno, who was fighting alongside the British Special Forces uh, in Afghanistan. Um, he did suffer some life-threatening injuries and was treated by both the US Air Force and Navy and I think Army as well. And then when he went back to the UK, he was uh, fitted with uh, prosthetic limbs on both his hind legs. He has uh, just been awarded the Dickon Medal, which is the highest award that uh, any animal can receive within the British military. So well done, Kuno. Now over to the Philippines and in a place called Tagig, a stray dog which had grown up around the local shopping mall was getting a little bit of uh, extra attention and the mall security was asked to take some action. Uh, Apparently they all sort of knew the dog, so... What did they do? Drafted him into the security team, of course. So they have now formally adopted him, uh, called him Dog Dog. And apparently they're all working really well together. And now here's this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. And my guest today is Dennis Attard. How are you, Dennis? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for taking some time out to uh, have a chat with me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. <laughs> and I understand today we're going to be talking about Die. Yes, we are. Uh, Die was my first police dog, yeah, so he's definitely worth talking about. <laughs> and it's going to be the first police dog for this podcast, so it's going to be an interesting chat, I think. Okay, yeah. So as per usual for the people that listen to the show, if you take us back a, in time to a little bit before you got together and just tell us about the events that led to you getting matched up with him. Okay, so I joined the police in, in the UK in 1989. Uh, and from, well, from very from a very very early stage i decided that i wanted to be a police dog handler but unfortunately uh, places didn't come up very often so i had to work very hard to get noticed had to work very hard to get my face known so that you know when when a place came up that i would be considered for it so i used to go out on my on my own shift days off uh, training with the guys, getting to know people, finding out what the job was about, how the training was done, and basically just looking at what I was going to get myself into. So in 1992, I was fortunate that uh, uh, a place came up. I uh, <clears throat> I applied for it, and I was fortunate enough to get it, to, to get the position. So then I was in limbo for quite quite a few months while they were waiting to get the course up and running to find dogs because they needed three dogs to start the course so they went out and bought the dogs and then I was invited into the uh, into the training school to start uh, uh, a familiarisation course in July of 1992. Okay. Where, whereabouts so, uh, in the UK was that? 
So I, I worked uh, for West Yorkshire Police, which covers uh, some quite large uh, inner, city, inner city areas such as uh, Leeds and Bradford, Halifax. Uh, and it's so we're in the uh, western part of the of, of Yorkshire, which is the largest uh, county in the UK and the best, of course. And we just border we just border on the uh, the sort of Greater Manchester area as well. So we'd we'd have jobs that went into into the Manchester area on on occasions so yeah north of england in west yorkshire uh, i work for west yorkshire police and i'd only been on on this i'd only been on maybe uh, three years uh, and then uh, in 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 the police before i actually got on dog section which was pretty much unheard of really getting on that that quick but i was just desperate to get on uh it's just it's the only thing that i wanted to do even though i'm being offered uh, a place on CID. I had no interest in that at all. I just wanted to be working with my dog and I just wanted to do what I'd seen the operational handlers do. So I applied and I got it. I turn up at uh, our training facility, which is a place called Cargate, which is just off the M1 motorway at Leeds. So it's a very centrally based place. I uh, met up with uh, two guys who were going to be on the course with me with with uh, with dogs and the instructor so the instructor was uh sort of what i consider to be old school uh ex-military but a very 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 good dog trainer who knew his he, he knew just he basically knew what he was doing so he'd been out he selected the dogs because that's what the instructors will normally do. They'll, they'll go out and pick the dogs that they want on the course. They take the responsibility for the selection and the training, so everything's down to them. So this particular time, they'd been up to Scotland and picked three dogs up from a, a dealer up there, and there were three dogs in the kennel uh, in, in, inside the uh, in the compound. He took us through, and he stood us all in front of the uh, the kennels. And I'm looking in, and he says, uh, "Dennis," he says, "That's yours." And I looked, I looked in at this this thing. He's uh, he told me that it was a, an 11 month old German Shepherd, and he was, and he was quite a big dog, if I'm if I'm honest, big head. Uh, but this dog was throwing itself at the at the kennel door. It was doing the wall of death inside. And he says, go in and get it. And I said, <laughs> what, me? You want me to go in and get it? He says, I said, can we not just let it out? He goes, no, go in, put the lead on it and bring it out. Bring him out. So I had to go in and get him, which is... You know, it was a bit, a bit scary, really, a bit, a little bit frightening when you you haven't had contact with a dog such as that. So I went in, and uh, fortunately, when I got in, he, he sort of realised what what the game was that he was going to go on the lead, and then uh, went in, put the lead on him, and then we had a, a piece of land where to take him for a walk on the lead, and it was just the Apache ride, basically. He he just there was no control, absolutely nothing there at all this dog was totally totally in charge of, of of everything very very dominant uh so and i felt that from you know from from our first meeting the dog was very very single-minded uh and i got the impression that you know like this dog thought he was in charge so eventually i'll get him out and let him off the lead and he goes off and he does what he has to do and he comes back and has a little sniff at me and we were just like weighing each other up and I put him back on the lead and then I were able able to take him back and then when you start a course like that you're responsible for the dog so you're responsible for cleaning him you're responsible for grooming him cleaning the kennel making sure everything everything that happens with that dog is down to you is your is, is my responsibility so for the familiarization per, uh, part uh, the dog stayed in kennels uh, because what we do as soon as the dog's being allocated to me and it's and we paired up the dog would then come home with me 
it'd be uh, I'd transport him uh, in in a police vehicle as it was back to my home address, and he'd stop with me. The the police had built me a kennel in my back garden so that I could house him and look after him there. But he had to stay in the kennels for about two weeks while we got to know each other. So then the uh, the familiarisation starts, and we're we're going off in different places, putting the dogs in the vehicles, getting used to the training venues, and like I said, just getting you know familiar with 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 each other. Uh, but it was a real handful, and everybody on the course that you you could tell that they were glad that I got the dog. <laughs> I was just going to ask yeah. about the other two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one one of them one of them uh, was also a bit of an handful, uh, but the the guy that had got him like bossed him pretty much straight away, uh, and the the other guy's dog was extremely amenable and very easy to train as it turned out. But anyway, I I, I ended up with Di, and it turned out that I was like I was more than happy with him. You know, I, I, I look back and I was more than happy with him. So I get. Uh, we get we get the familiarisation out of the way, and then we're issued with all our kit, and we're going to be good. we're starting the course the following Monday, and the dog is coming home with me. So I'd already I'd already told my wife. I said he's a bit of an handful and everything, but you'll love him. Bear in mind that my wife was absolutely frightened to death of dogs, and really really tried to talk me out of going on 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 dogs. So. I persuaded her. She she sort of realised that I wasn't going to change my mind and that I am going on dogs. And you know, one 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 of the things that happens when you go on dogs is that you bring dogs home. So I'm on my way home, getting dropped off, and uh, my wife's waiting. He drags me. I get him out of the back of the vehicle. Uh, drags me down the path into into the garden and starts running around the garden with me holding him because I didn't want to let him off and my wife's inside frightened to come out and I thought well no we've got to we've got to sort this out now we've got we've got to <laughs> fix this straight away you've you know I brought him home you you're, you're going to have to like get used to him because he's staying type thing so she stood in the conservatory watching and she said I can't come out it's too big it's too big it's, it's, it's going to hurt I said he won't hurt you he's just he's he's just a He's just a big softy, really. So anyway, she came out and I let him off the lead and he ran straight to her and attacked her, really. Oh, she no. turned her back. Yeah. Oh. She turned her back oh. and he bit her on on the uh, on, on her shoulder. Uh but she stayed she stayed calm and uh and I thought, what have I just done there? Oh. I've just like <laughs> I've just <laughs> the dog's frightened. Uh, the, the dog's just bit my wife, who's frightened the dogs, and I've got to sell this job to her. Anyway, it it, it sort of uh, got better as as the days and the weeks went on, and you know we went out for walks and the because we don't have any children or anything like that. We we spent a lot of time with him, exercising him, and getting him fit. And then before you know it, uh, my wife and the dog, the really. They're really getting on very well together, but he is the, the dog at that stage. He was, it was a real handful, real handful. Very loud as well. Did a lot of barking, uh, which my neighbours weren't really happy about. So that's another thing that you have to contend with because we take a police dog home, and you know the working dogs, and if they hear anybody, they'll let us know that they've heard somebody, and you know. It took a while for the neighbours to work out that having a, a police vehicle and a police dog on the street was a major advantage and one that you can't really pay for. So we, you know, there was nothing happened on, on our street at all. It was great. Might uh, lose a little bit of sleep from the occasional barking, but if you do wake up, you know you don't really have too much to worry about. That's exactly it. But it, it, it all went swimmingly and uh, we did... 
we we did the course. So the course is uh, was thirteen weeks in, inclusive of the familiarisation. So what we teach the dogs to do on, on the course, it's it's all basically we have to have uh, good control over the dogs. So we we have obedience first thing in the morning. So we'll do it like an hour's obedience training to heal agility equipment, uh, and then some other. Uh, control exercises and then the dogs will go straight in the vehicle and then we'll be off tracking so we'd spend a couple of hours tracking teaching the dogs how to track bad guys away from vehicles and buildings that type of thing then we do uh, a round of uh, bike training so we'd all dur during the uh, bike work exercises we'd all take it in turns to what we call it catching the dogs so the dogs will be biting us we'd be wearing protective equipment but we'd all take it in turns to catch each other's dogs uh my particular dog uh no people didn't look forward to him biting them <laughs> because he got a he, he got a very very good bite and is it, it's been sort of the the the, the tests that have been done on such dogs. So he was about, this This dog was maybe about 30, 38 kilos. Uh, he's, a, he's a nice, big, rangy dog with a big head. So with a big head comes a big uh, mouth. And he was, it was biting about 250 pounds per square inch, which hurts. It hurts. If you've ever been bitten by a dog, it really does hurt. Are you training him to bite a particular target or...? Yeah. So in the UK, the, the legislation for biting is it's all geared up to the dog obviously being under control, uh, but targeting, should the need arise, they would target the right arm and it would normally be the, 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 the lower part of the arm or whatever they could get hold of. In, in, it, it turns out that really, you know, with the dogs that I've had, when, when I've when I've deployed them and sent them after people in training, they'll just get hold of whatever they can get hold of because in training we have a, a sorry, operationally they'll, they'll bite whatever they can, but in training everything's structured. So mm -hmm. the dog knows that it's training, the dog knows where to target. But when it's like three o'clock in the morning and you've got a guy running and away, running away in a t-shirt and jeans and trainers, and he's making good his escape, the dogs will do whatever they have to do mm. to catch these guys. And if, it, if they end up taking them on the legs, their ankles, the hands, the back, they'll just do it. They'll just, they'll just do it. But we target, we will target the arm. So after about 13 weeks, you end up, when you've done all this biting, we'll, we'll, we'll wear either a bite jacket or a bite sleeve. And at the end of the, and at the end of the, uh, 13 weeks you will have this permanent bruise where the dogs have been targeting your, your you know like the leading edge of your of, uh, of your foot of your forearm uh but you do you, you you get used to it some dogs bite harder than others some will take you down they'll take you down when they hit you so if you're running and you're running fast and the dog's running fast laws of physics tells you that something of that nature is going to happen so the dog will hit you it'll be hitting you faster than you're running, which means you're going down. So a lot of people can be injured just by being, ta being taken down. But the training has got to be very, very realistic. It becomes more realistic la later on. But when we're teaching the dog to bite, we need the, the dog to bite the, the, the lower part of the arm. We need him to bite it and keep a really firm grip. If they keep a firm grip, then the minimum amount of damage will be will, will be caused so what you'll find is that the dogs will hit the target and if they've been taught to bite properly the the person the the, the subject will be uh, in receipt of four canine wounds and they're pretty easy to fix mm -hmm. Sometimes, if the guy's fighting and he's really trying to get away, then that can get a little bit messier because if they're trying to pull their arm away, the dog wants to keep it. So the dog will be uh, 
more focused in holding on, which will cause more damage. So if people give up, then, well, if people give up in the first in the first instance, if they're warned and they're told to stand still, they should stand still. If they don't stand still, then the dogs come in. If the dogs come in, then you know the, the, there is a, a an exercise that we call the standoff. So if we if we deploy the dog, there's two things that can happen. The guy keeps on running. The dog will just hit hit the guy, take him down, and hold him until the handler gets there. If the guy decides to give himself up while the dog's on it on its way and he turns around and he just stands and looks at the dog, the dog will put the brakes on and perform what we call a standoff, which is like a hold and bark. Mm-hmm. So if the guy is giving himself up, the dog won't hurt him. But if he then thinks, oh, the dog's not doing anything, I'm going to go away, I'm going to run away, uh, dog will, the dog will bite him and do what it's been sent to do. From the... In the early sound of it, Di was uh, very enthusiastic. <clears throat> yeah, he did love his bite work. <laughs> he, he he really did. And uh, with, with a dog like that, we, we realised that even though he, he liked his biting, then we've, with a dog like that, you have to then control that because otherwise the dog becomes out of control. So you've got to keep this balance of safety, efficiency and control. And everything has got to be absolutely nailed on and i think when you first joined a job like uh to be a police dog handler there's such a lot to consider that when once you've done it a couple of times and i've uh run dogs on before they've actually started the training i put all that in place before we actually start the training at at a very at, at a very young age but because this was my first dog we just had to hit the ground hit the ground running as it turned out, this particular dog, from what I've been told, or what I was told at that particular time, was just an absolute natural. And I, I ended up being the luckiest person on the course because that particular dog was just an absolute natural police dog. And I'll explain why a little bit later on. <laughs> so he obviously enjoyed the, the bite work. Was he sort of like well-rounded in his other training or did he have uh, preferences on... He just did everything really, really well. Uh, and because and because he did do everything really well, I ended up competing with him as well at a, at a, a later stage. So for, for that to happen, we had to complete the course and then we then started our operational duties. So we'd done 13 weeks at the training centre and then we get paired up with our mentors who look after us for a month. So we'll travel around with those guys for a month. And if there's anything there that is too much for the dog, then your mentor will use his dog, which will be an experienced dog. So you've always got that, uh, you've also always got that, that sort of fail safe so that if there's something that's just too much, we can always use the experienced dog. Uh, so we, we went out and, uh, I think my first shift was a night shift with Di. Uh, my mentor, a guy called Roger, who was my idol, if, if you like, because I really, really did look up, up to him. He, he had great dogs. He'd done great jobs for my shift. And, uh, yeah, he ended up being a really, really good friend as well. But he, he took us out and we had a... Well, we had an amazing first week as uh, as an operational team, uh, and to have prisoners on your first night is pretty much unheard of. But that particular night, uh, it was a Monday night in a place called uh, Nottingley, which is a a place just outside uh, of Wakefield, and it's quite a salubrious area, shall we say? There are some. Uh, some not so very nice people that live there but having said that there are people that have lived down there all their lives and have made it a great little place but unfortunately there there were one or two bad apples that always came up it was always the same names always the same people that we were looking for and on this particular monday night we got called out and school had been brought into So what would happen is if they call the dog to come and search the school because the people inside are hiding, you know, it's very unlikely that 
the patrol officers will actually find the people because people can really get well hidden and they could walk through the school and not find them but the dog can find them very very easily mm-hmm. by the use of the the, uh, the the scent the the scent picture that a guy that is running away from the police will emit so we get down there and there's a full containment on which means that if there's anybody in there they can't get out and that means that I've got to systematically search the school with dine. It's the first one that I've done, and it's quite a big school. And I've got to uh, think about, there's a lot of things that I've got to think about. I've got to think about my own safety when I get in there because you can get ambushed inside. Uh, dog handlers have been ambushed inside and beaten up and cut off from the dogs and all that type of stuff. So you've got to think about all of that. Uh, but we knew that they were still in there. So, because you know that the, uh, the the cameras had picked some noises up inside, so we had to we had to systematically search it. So I knew they, they weren't going anywhere. So going to the school, and uh, what we what we do is, as you walk through the school, you just put the lights on in the rooms that you've searched, so you know where you've been, because you can end up sort of going round in circles. Mm-hmm because, you know, these places, they all look the same. So we'd walk through, I'd search the building, put the lights on, and it was going on and on and on, this search. And and I was getting very, very close to the end of the search. And I thought, well, where are they? I just absolutely no idea where they are. We know that they haven't got out. We know that they're here. And and I just, I just can't, well, we can't find them. So... <laughs> I actually got to the very, very last room that we were going to search, and the dog was quite tired. So until he's been out for a while, until he's been operationally uh, deployed for any amount of time, his search fitness just wasn't there, and he was going down. He was getting really, really tired. But we walked into the kitchen area, and I put the light on, and as soon as I put the light on, his body language changed Totally, totally changed. His back, he, he, he became really, really focused. He seemed to regain his uh, fitness back. And I thought, here we go. Well, just send shivers down my, down my spine just thinking about it. But uh, he, he was uh, basically, he, he was in the moment. Because what had happened was the the scent picture in that room had changed. These guys that had been getting trying to get away from us, obviously they're emitting all the endorphins and adrenaline, and that's the fear factor. And the dog picked up on that immediately, which is unusual for a very for a, for a young dog because he was only like 11, 12 months old then. Went in and we start searching, and uh, as as we're as we're searching. The dog starts giving like a, a bark indication uh, underneath the sink, and I thought, surely there can't be anybody underneath the sink, surely. And I opened up, I opened up the doors, and how this guy had got under the sink, he was squashed in like a sardine in this un- underneath the sink, and the dog was just going absolutely mental at this this guy. So brought him out and brought him out, handcuffs, handed him over, and then continued the search because it said that there were like more than one person in. So we carried on searching the uh, the, the kitchen area and uh, as he as he's working round out of sight, I heard the dog sort of, uh, like sort of yelped or cried out or something. And what had happened was the, the guy was accessible uh, the, the dog could get to him. So the dog had gone in and the guy uh, kicked the dog straight away. Mm. But the dog was so strong that he said, I'm not having that, I'm having you, and bit him and bit him on, on his leg and pulled him out of where he, where he was hiding. Nice work. So, yeah, it really, really good because, you know, as a young dog, he defending himself as well, which was excellent so i went and dealt with the kids got the you know took the dog uh, off the guy and uh, he got locked up as well so on, on my first night out with him i had two prisoners unbitten and 
that's how I that's how I, I I sort of got my nickname because I was then like golden I was like the golden <laughs> boy then if you if you like because everything that I touched was like sort of turning to gold you know it was it was it, would, it, would, it would really really good but a fantastic night out uh for 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 his first one really really good very impressive yeah that's it, it is I've heard a few different stories where They've, uh, different dogs have gone through all the, the different training regimes, but for one reason or other, the first couple of shifts out and they freeze or they don't sort of, uh, yeah. they don't respond to the, the real life scenario. And then it's, mm. yeah, some of them fail and some of them take a little bit of time just to get used to life on the, on the street in real life. Is it, and, and that's why you've got to know your dog. You've got to know its limitations and, uh, you know, let, let, later on, uh, I sent you a picture of uh, Achilles, uh, and I, I obviously don't. I don't mind you sharing that at all. But Achilles was—he uh, was a wonderful dog, really, really lovely dog, very, very capable police dog. But the the, the Malinois, in my opinion, uh, is a little bit behind the German Shepherd in maturity stakes. You know what a, what a Shepherd might have, uh, and again, it's only my opinion. Uh, what, what a shepherd might have at like 12, 13 months. You've got to wait for sort of another six months for 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 that to happen. Again, in my experience, in what I've seen okay. uh, with the mal, you know. But uh, no, die at 11, 12 months. He was a, he, he, yeah, he was the real deal. Real good dog. Real good dog. Oh, excellent. So transpired to bonding more at, at home and did things sort of like change a, a lot in that d- dynamic? Yeah, it did. Uh, uh, that that first first dog that I had, he never came indoors, never came indoors for the, for the uh, first first sort of six six months, never allowed him in, in inside uh, because th- that was our place. You know, that's where, that's where we live. He lives outside, we, li- we live inside. Uh, and he he, underst- he understood that, but the bond built really quick because I wanted to work, and so did he. So every opportunity we had, we trained. Every opportunity, every to the uh, uh, to, to my mentor. My mentor would sort of get hold of me and say, "We're not training today. He's having a day off. Let him have a day off." See the thing is, I'm Virgo. I don't do days off. <laughs> it's you know, you, you, I, I, if I have the opportunity, I want to train and I want to get the best out of my dog. And you, you know, we we do that. So the more training we did, and the more jobs we had, the 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 bond became uh, became much much better. And with the work as well, because I had the confidence in him, he could obviously sense that I had the confidence in him. Uh, that's that's a that that is a strange dynamic, you know. The, there's been occasions when I've had uh, when I've been dealing with things with other dogs, and they've sensed my trepidation, if you like, at the at the situation that we were in, and sometimes the dogs start thinking. Well, we don't want them to think. We want them to act as per training. Mm-hmm. And uh, this particular dog and some of the others that I've had as well all all did that. But but die, he was just a just a natural. So very easy for me to uh, find bad guys, to win trophies, to win awards, and all of that sort of stuff. Just made life really easy for me. I mean, all the awards really were for him because. It, if if the dog could have been if the dog was able to drive, I would have been out of a job. You know, he, 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 so, it, it, was, it was that good. Take us back a little before you went into those sort of competitions. At, at what sort of uh, stage was things before that sort of started? Well, before you can start competing, your dog has got to be operationally sound. And because we'd established that this particular dog was, uh, we we started doing like little regional competitions, little just little day competitions, just to just to get him uh, up to speed. But what it was good for as well was that if the dog then uh, was competing and winning competitions, it was showing everybody that the dog had got a good standard that, and that it was under control and that. Uh, 
you know, he's, he was like a, a well-rounded dog. There, there, were, there were some dogs at that time that would never, ever, ever have been taken out of a, a vehicle at some of these events. But this particular dog, although he was a bit sharp, I had to keep him away from people because ultimately he was, he was always going to defend me. Uh, he, he, he was quite, quite well-behaved. He was quite well-behaved. So when you say competitions, what uh, style was it? Uh, I don't know. Was it like like Schultzen back then, or was it a different variation of that? Or yeah, it, it was uh, the, the 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 police training model, which was established by the uh, by ACPO, which was the uh, Assistant Chief Police Officers Association. They established a, a standard, so the dogs were assessed against that standard, and we competed at. Uh, uh, that standard, uh, uh, that, that program of training. So for the one-day shows, we do uh, a round of obedience and agility, and that would be normally in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we'd do a round of criminal work. And then you'd you'd receive marks for your obedience work, and you'd receive marks for your criminal work. There would be uh, an obedience trophy and a criminal work trophy. And... Uh, than an overall trophy for for winning for winning the competition. That was a, a one day show, and then we had regional and national trials where you were competing against other forces. So we'd uh, we compete within our region, and there'd be maybe about twenty dogs competing, and the best four dogs would then then go and represent that region at national dog, police dog trials which is the, well, it's what anybody that works police dogs or competes with police, not everybody wants to compete, by the way. I, I just had a, an affinity with it. Now, I'm quite competitive and I had a good dog, so I wanted I wanted to win. But uh, I would, once, once you've won the regionals or come in the top four, you then go forward to the nationals, which is the, the peak, if you like, of... Uh, competing at police dog level and I was fortunate to qualify three times for nationals unfortunately I never I never won it but uh, the dog that I would have won it was my was my last police dog and unfortunately had a, he had a stomach torsion a week before the competition so although I was although I was uh, hotly tipped to win that one unfortunately the, the dog was ill uh, but no, the the, the 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 competition side of it has always been extremely important to myself because uh, that's how you can show people, you, you know, when when you're showing your, your your colleagues and your friends and members of the public your standard, that is how people will judge you. So I always wanted the best obedience. I always wanted to be uh, well. I always wanted to win, and that's it. I just want I just wanted to win. I always wanted to make sure that I caught the bad guys. And I always made sure that I want, uh, I had a good opportunity to win the the trophies and the pots as well. Nice. So um, to balance a little bit, how was Di? What were his like favourite games? Not not necessarily competition style or training games, but he had just the games to play for fun. Yeah, he he, he liked. Uh, you know, if if we. You know, if we were playing ball in the garden or something like that, most of their energy, if I'm honest, is either being exercised, training, or or working. That tends to be, that tends to be their their life. As as regards games and things like that, uh, we spent a lot of time exercising and relaxing and doing all that type of stuff. But his his main aim in life was 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 to go out in the van and work, and work. whether it was training or, or working. So that was that was his biggest game, if you like. That That's the thing that re, that he really did enjoy. Mm-hmm. Did he ever, or oh, did you guys ever then uh, at different stages have team up with other handlers to work different cases? and Or is he more of a solo dog or did he work in a, in a combined effort in different times? He didn't really like other dogs. Uh, it was funny about the dogs that I, I had to be very careful about who I could run the dog with because as soon as you get two place dogs fighting, there's two things that are going to happen. Mm. You know, either one or two of them are going to get injured, and no, no, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that at all. 
so uh, we uh, I, I sort of kept him away from from other dogs but I, I, I exercised him with my partner's dog uh, Roger, Roger's dog they were, they were best mates and we had a place called uh, uh, Chevet which was a, a, a private piece of land and we used to we used to do what we called the uh, the daffodil the daffodil run because there was just this track that run through this beautiful copse of uh, trees and grassed area and only us could go we, we were the only people that were allowed to go and in the uh, in springtime it was just there was just daffodils everywhere it was just like perfect absolutely perfect and these two dogs would just run themselves into the ground so that is something that they really did enjoy they, they really enjoyed each other's company those two dogs but he didn't like he didn't like many dogs if i'm honest oh nice um did you have any sort of uh like outstanding personality traits or weird personality traits that you'd say yeah never stop barking <laughs> never he, I, I i was told that that was down to his exuberance so one of the train one of the trainers who was helping me uh with, with with the dog to, to to train a few things, getting him ready for competition and what have you. The the dog would just sit and bark just constantly, uh, just giving me edit really. Uh, but as, as as a trait, yeah, that that's the the one. He was extremely uh, free. He was really really free speaking, which for a police dog is ideal because. Uh, to get dogs to bark sometimes if you can't get them to bark then they can't perform some of the exercises that that we need them so if they go out and find somebody and they're inaccessible and we need to know where they are the dog will tell us exactly where where the guy is by indicating by means of barking where that person is you know it's not like uh, it's not like Skippy will like run back and say he's falling down the well or something like that. He, 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 the, the dog will just sit and bark until such times that, that whoever it is has been dealt with. But yeah, it was just his barking that was uh, a bit of an issue. Nice. Um, as far as say the uh, tracking, is there any of like memorable cases where he's had a, a long track for a particular person that, and you've end up getting him in the end yeah a challenging I've, had, one. I've had a lot of, yeah i've had a lot of tracks uh especially with with that particular dog uh tracks from vehicles and buildings over open land you know up to i had one from a, a stolen tractor that went on for about maybe two miles over fields until we caught up with the we caught up with the guy the, the guy was just exhausted as as were we when you know like when we found him and we were, we were filthy because it had been wet and everything but tracking jobs uh he was excellent and he, he, he was also excellent on uh hard surface as well so i'd specifically trained him to search on tarmac and concrete because that was part of the uh competition schedule and he was very, very good at hard surface tracking. So if we were out on a housing estate and somebody bailed out of a vehicle and run off, then I was really confident that I could turn up and he'd get his nose down. And sometimes after a track, he'd work that hard that, and his nose had been working that hard to get as close to the track as possible, that it would graze the bottom of, it would graze the, the, the tip of his nose mm. because it, it, it'd been, so close to the to the track you know you know like wanting to find the scent of the guy and he'd been working that hard that it would it, be like a little graze and like a little bit of blood there when he when he'd done that uh but that just that, that sort of just told you what sort of dog he was but a lot of guys you know a lot of dog handlers will turn up at jobs like that and not even you know and know that their dogs won't have the ability to track somebody like that but my dog did and that's why i got a lot of prisoners in places like uh, housing estates and places like that where it is really difficult mm -hmm. what sort of a an average workload and i know it's, it's <clears> it, it is hard to sort of say but like 
I think a lot of people don't know how much the dog is sort of like sitting, waiting in the in the kennel or at home or in the car to go out and, mm. and when you're called on a job. So in with your time with, with Di, what sort of like an average sort of like time does he actually get out to work? Yeah, well, what, 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 police work by its very nature is unpredictable. You can be chasing chasing yourself round, never stopping from going to finishing, and then you can go out and then nothing will happen at all during that night. And I've, I've even had full night weeks, which are seven shifts of seven, 10 hour shifts that we've had nothing, whether it be for uh, sort of weather reasons or I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things you never, with police work, you never know what's happening. You never know what's around the corner. You never, you just absolutely just don't. And that's why I, I loved it so much because the unpredictability of it and the, uh, you know, like the, the diversity of it is, is amazing. But what we would do is uh, nights is a brilliant time for training. So if it is, if it is quiet, uh, we'd go out and do some training. So we'd meet up and my colleague. So what we'd do is we'd, 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 we'd have this air, our working area and we'd split it in half. I'd work one half and he'd work the other half. And if there was nothing happening, we'd meet up in the middle uh, to suitable venue, do some training so that we were both ready to respond if, if, if we had to. So yeah, the, the, there are uh, downtimes. There are times when there's nothing to do, but you know what I what I would do as well is I would just carry on normal police work. So if there's nothing happening, I'd be just out stopping vehicles, stopping and speaking to people, checking premises. You know, even 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 a walk. You can turn a walk into checking temporary un unoccupied uh, premises, even though you're just walking your dog. So I, I, you know, we'd always be doing something because like ten hours to do nothing is it's 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 a long time. Mm -hmm. It's a long time. And it can be. It can be boring, but in, invariably, you know, we nights were busy, and then days would be just doing normal police work because later on, I had. I also had a narcotics detection dog as well, so I'd be working one of them. But you know, there'd always be an opportunity to work one of them, if not both, on the same job. So I could. I could go to. We could go to a a, a warrant. Um, we could do a knock on the door, and if the guy kicks off, the dog's there to deal with him if if we have to. So at, at that at that time, we used dogs like that. Whereas dogs aren't used like that now because uh, police officers have tasers, and tasers can cut a lot of that out as well. So the the, the use of dogs is like narrowed down just like a, a little bit because of taser but I, we'd go we'd do the warrant i'd secure it with this particular dog put him away and then get my drugs dog out and then i'd do the search so as a, a dual handler we're really good value to our divisions mm -hmm. because Definitely. we could do you know like if if the guides had stopped a vehicle that got a drugs marker on it then i'd just turn up and do the vehicle with my little drugs dog uh, and yeah, that uh, that that was a that was a good time as well. I, I don't know what Di thought about it, but uh, <laughs> um, so you mentioned he got a he got a kick on his first shift. Did he yeah. suffer uh, any other injuries on the job that you can recall? He he did, uh, and one of them actually uh, ended his uh, uh, he ended his career unfortunately because. Uh, we talk about, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't a gift dog, but he wasn't an expensive dog. I think he cost our force about five hundred pounds, but he did have a few niggly injuries, like uh, muscular uh, pulls. He seemed to uh, suffer a lot with uh, with stomach 
problems. But that, I think, was down to uh, an allergy to the food that he had. But anyway, we, we, we did sort that out. But yeah, he, he picked up uh, a few injuries along the way. At one time, I did have my, I did have my, have my own uh, plastic surgeon at the local hospital because uh, what, what had happened with his, his tooth, he sheared a tooth, it uh, picked up uh, a hammer, a metal hammer in training, and it sheared his tooth. But what that gave him was, it gave him a, it, gave, it was like a jagged edge, which made the bite. Uh, it, it was like a like a knife. It was like because it was so sharp, yep. it, it, it it had cut like a knife. So when it when it bit anybody and they went to hospital, the guy there he knew which dog had actually done it. <laughs> yep. So he knew it was my dog that had, because he could tell that from from the bite marks and that that it were him. But uh, now that's. Uh, yeah, but the one that did end his career, unfortunately, uh, was uh, after a well. It was like a not a nation, not a nationwide pursuit, but this car, this particular car, had been chased for uh, 20, 30, 40 miles by by police. And anyway, it ended up in our. Uh, in our area, our force area, and the guy jumped out left the vehicle and ran across fields. So I turned up with Di, picked the track up straight away, beautiful spring morning, moisture on the ground. Uh, I could actually see where the guy had run some of the air, some of the some of the way. So we went across ploughed field, went across crop fields, uh, and it was just going on. And this guy was really on his toes trying to get away. So then I got to an area that was uh, an old disused uh, railway track, so it was like a, a cinder track where the where the railway lines had been. So they'd been removed, and it ended up just being like a, a footpath, a really nice footpath. So the guy had run across, he'd run across that, and then into the undergrowth. So the way that the dog was tracking, as we got closer, as my experience of this particular dog was that when we were getting closer his body language started to change. He was readying himself to deal with whatever we were going to track to. And I could tell his body language his, his body language was changing. And I thought, this guy's here. He, he he's actually he's, he's actually here. But we we're going through these like reeds, and the reeds are about that they were actually taller than I was. Uh, so the dog was tracking, and I could see where the guy had broken through the reeds and uh, made made his escape. So the dog starts tracking, and then all of a sudden, he just stopped dead. St stopped dead in his tracks, and I couldn't see why he'd stopped dead. And I'm trying to encourage him on because I, I know, and I'm thinking, what's happened here? I, I just couldn't work out what had happened. So as I'm pushing through the reeds... The dog, I, I motioned with the dog, with diet for him to go forward. Then the next news is the dog falls with the tracking line uh, running through my fingers, and then there was a splash. So as I, as I pulled, as I, as I cleared the area, I could see that the area was, it was a well, and it turned out it was a... a it was a a steam train. It, it was for when they had the steam trains, and these places would be full of water for the for the for the engines. And so it was empty, uh, and at the bottom were rocks and water. So the dog had fallen into the uh, in, in, into the well, uh, but he was swimming, and he was treading water in inside. But I could see that he were injured. I, I could see that he he, he was uh, he was hurt. Uh, the only way that we could get him out I had to get the fire service to come and uh, help us winch him out. But the as soon as he saw the, the the fire service guys, he started barking while he was swimming because he's he's saying, "Right, you, you stay away from you stay away from my dad. What you're doing up there?" Type thing, and he he started being a little bit protective, so they wouldn't go down. I had to be winched down myself because the dog would would definitely have bitten. The, uh, the the fire service guy. So I went down, got him, and uh, brought him back up, checked him out, and he was walking about. He was walking about fine. It was great, but I could see that it was he, 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 his back was pinched. 
And what had happened was he'd had uh, uh, three of his lumbar vertebrae had fused together over time, and he'd broken he'd broken the uh, the, the calcium buildup, which was obviously causing him a lot, a lot of uh, grief. Anyway, it, t- it turned out that when I had him all X-rayed and, and looked at and everything, that that was his uh, his career over, really. And, and I made the decision to retire him. The vet said he could go on a bit further if he wanted. I said no, no. Is this this dog's done everything for me? I'm gonna make a decision for him now. Uh, so he was seven when when that happened. And he probably got another two years left in him, but anyway, that brought that that brought that to a close, unfortunately. But that was that's what ended his uh, his his career. And what had happened was the guy had fallen in there himself oh, and okay. had been stuck in there. And what had happened was his scent had pulled within there, and the dog couldn't work it out. And I couldn't see it, and he couldn't see it, but he sensed, I could tell that he'd sensed something. Anyway, as, as we'd moved forward, he, he was in front of me, and unfortunately, he fell He fell into it. I, I just could, You just couldn't see it. It was just too dense. And all the reeds had grown up, uh, grown around. Uh, anyway, it's hindsight's a wonderful thing, I know, but it, 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 it was just one of the things. So the guy had fallen in and then managed to get out the other side, uh, and he was. I'd given the patrol officers a direction of travel. They were able to pick him up about half a mile in front of us, uh, because obviously we, we weren't going anywhere after that. But he, he he got locked up, absolutely no problem at all. So it got resolved. But unfortunately, after that, I lost my position on on dog section because of the policy that we had then. We had a ten year position. Uh, sorry, a, a ten-year policy, which meant that as soon as the dog wasn't operational, I had to go back on patrol. So even though I knew I had to go back on patrol, I made the decision for that dog because I didn't want to ever put him in a position whereby his health wouldn't allow him to protect him or me himself or me. So I thought, right, let's have you retired and you can come on with me. And that's exactly what I did. So, got to ask now: How was his transition into retirement at home? His transition <laughs> into retirement was absolutely remarkable, and one that I can't, I can't describe. Because what I did was, he uh, because he was suffering with uh, spondylosis then with arthritis. I brought him indoors to keep him nice and warm and look after him. And uh, when anybody ever came to my house. He, he was never out. He would never meet anybody. I, I used to keep him My advice, the, the advice from my partner was to keep him away from everybody, keep him suspicious, keep him uh, edgy. And that's what I did with that particular dog. Uh, when I retired him, he went everywhere with us. I took him to uh, my wife's uh, mum's uh, and he just relaxed so much it, it was it was just brilliant it, it, it's as though really had been switched off mm. and as though he knew he was retired he'd done his bit uh but yeah it, the, the transition into uh into his his retirement was as, as i said remarkable I, I would never have thought it, it would that dog would have done that but he did oh, lovely that's so nice to hear and i'm guessing he enjoyed sleeping inside as well he did. He enjoyed sleeping in, indoors. He had his he had his own spot in the in the uh, kitchen, and I also had a a, a pet dog as well, uh, and they got on really really well together, which was nice. So that was a nice little bit of uh, socialisation for him. But uh, no, he, he 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 did enjoy his time. Okay. So who became his home buddy? The other the other pet dog. Was there much of an age difference as well with that, or? Y- yeah. Uh, in fact, the my pet dog, it was a, a Doberman Cross. I think he was maybe just a, he, he probably like a, a couple of years older. But uh, Jake, he he wasn't really uh, precious about anything. He wasn't territorial or anything. He just accepted it and he, he and, and 
they got on really well together. Both lived in the kitchen, and uh, no, it was just lovely to see. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Jake actually enjoyed it. You know, you could you could tell there were there was there wasn't any issues at all there. Just a couple of distinguished gentlemen enjoying the latter stages of life. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, it's a question I ask everyone to complete the sentence, and I probably not going to get an answer from you from the first half of uh, his life, but maybe after he retired. So. I can't believe my dog ate a tin of white gloss paint. Sorry, what? (laughs) A tin of white gloss paint. Oh, you have to explain a bit more on that one. (laughs) Okay, so when when he when he'd retired, uh, and it was it it, it was shortly before he died, I think. uh, We were building a house, and. We would, we, I, I was, we were doing all the decorations and everything. So this this house had got a nice garden and everything, and a lovely high fence. And so he was out there. He'd be out in the sunshine, and he'd just do whatever he wanted. And he'd come into the garage, and so the, on this particular day, I got all my paint out and everything, brushes, rollers, and everything, all re- all ready to go. Uh, and I'd stirred this tin of uh, gloss white paint. And I'd left the top off it and I went upstairs and came back. And when I came back, his muzzle from his nose up to his eyes was just covered in white paint. And I had to, I just looked and I'm thinking, what, 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 what have you actually done there? And then I looked down at the paint, the paint was all over the floor and he'd, he'd eaten half, he'd probably eaten uh, about quarter of a litre of this paint and yeah yeah so that's I just couldn't believe that he'd eaten that he he was quite a greedy dog but he'd he'd eaten that so on my day off I have to rush him to the vets so I I take I take him to the vets so I take him to the vets and every time I take him to the vets it's a battle to get him in there he's extremely uh combatant shall we say <laughs> but when, it, when it comes to, when it came to the vets it were a, a massive problem taking him to the vets and anyway eventually we get him there that to sedate him and they kept him for two days uh and they had to and he was on a it was on a uh, a drip and all of this and they had to clean him out and stomach pump him and and everything so there was no long-lasting uh, damage done done to him other than it cost me 650 pounds yeah. which yeah which it, it i mean it cost me that tin of paint cost me a lot of money but yeah <laughs> no i can't believe he did eat that, that if i'm honest yeah. <laughs> I thought, like, after <laughs> the discipline of being you know a, a working dog and i've spoken to a couple other people that have like competition dogs and they don't touch anything off the ground that they're not supposed to. But then, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> well, he he was just relaxing and thought, just fancied it, so he fancied it and he ate it, and you know the rest is the rest is history. But yeah, when you when you actually wrote that, when you when you told me about that, that just came straight up. So I have no problem with answering that one. Um, how, uh, so you mentioned he's not a, not a fan of the vet. What about uh, grooming wise? Yeah, he didn't like being groomed either, <laughs> especially his uh, his tail. Uh, couldn't touch his tail. That wasn't allowed. He would not let you touch his tail. Uh, everything else, he, 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 he put up with that. He put up with it. I'm not saying he. Yeah, I'm not saying he loved it, but uh, yeah, he put up with it. But he, he could never touch his tail. No chance. Thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your day to share a little bit of, about Di. Sounds like an absolutely awesome dog that was just... Yeah, he was. The right dog put into the right situation and teamed up with the right person, from what I can hear. Mm. Yeah, he's, he, he, he was. And I, and I was very, very fortunate. And one, one thing that I will say is that if, if there are any dog handlers out there that are listening and that you know they're they're embarking on their own uh careers as dog handlers if you get a a good dog first up and i was i I got i I will i got what i would consider to be the 
the perfect police dog as my first dog because he really did look after me. That dog is always going to be very, very difficult to replace. And I think if I could, if I could go back and like sort of do things again, I would try and manage my expectations. People told me about, you know, they told me that that would happen, but you, you never know until you're given a dog that, unfortunately, I was given a dog that wasn't as good as Die, and I had, to, I had to keep him for a while, and he just wasn't up to it. But, you know, you've, you, you've, you've got to get the best out of them when you, when you can, but they're all different. Every single dog has got different qualities. They have... Uh, they can bring something different, but I was very, very fortunate that he was my first one, and uh, and yeah, he 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 was mine, yeah. and nobody else's. So yeah, he, he was he was really, really good. Excellent. Thank you very, very much again, Dennis. It's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you get notified as soon as the next episode comes out. Also, why not tell a friend? Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family.